the latest on Hurricane Laura. Hurricane Laura was the strongest hurricane to make landfall on Louisiana for well over 100 years. It ranks as the joint fifth strongest to have hit the coast of the USA. How has climate science changed over the last 30 years? In the early days, there was a lot of scepticism and in some quarters outright denial about what the climate science was showing. And some good news for campers. Sunday is altogether looking more settled as that area of high pressure to the west builds across the whole of the UK. It's Friday the 28th of August and you're listening to Weathersnap from the Met Office. Hello, I'm Claire Nazir and this is Weathersnap, an insider's guide to the week's weather brought to you direct from Met Office HQ. The most powerful hurricane to make landfall in Louisiana since 1856, Hurricane Laura pummeled the state with 150-mile-an-hour winds and flood water that extended 40 miles inland. In what the National Hurricane Centre described as an unsurvivable storm surge. With the latest, here's Met Office tropical prediction scientist Julian Hemming. Hurricane Laura started life uh, to the east of the Caribbean uh, quite some time ago and caused a lot of problems over the northern parts of the Caribbean with some very heavy rain, although still at that time was only a tropical storm, but it was only really once it uh, moved clear of Cuba and into the Gulf of Mexico that we saw this explosive deepening into a, a major hurricane. And yes, the forecast, particularly from the National Hurricane Center, which has to take into account uh, a lot of uh, uh, forecasts from lots of different models. They did a really good job in predicting uh, both where the landfall was likely to be and also the fact that it would be a major hurricane at landfall. My next question, why did it deepen so rapidly after it left Cuba? Well, the interesting thing uh, which is going on at the moment is the fact we do have some very warm sea temperatures in the Gulf of Mexico. They are a degree to two degrees above um, the normal. But that's not the only ingredient you need for tropical cyclone development. The atmospheric conditions also need to be right. And in fact, just a couple of days before um, Hurricane Laura passed across, there was what was briefly Hurricane Marco. But Hurricane Marco decayed very, very rapidly as it approached the coast and so really had no impact on the coast. And that was because there was a lot of wind shear. Now, this is where the winds vary as you go up through the, through the atmosphere, and that acts to shear apart the hurricane. So that happened for Marco, but the wind shear relaxed very, very quickly after the Marco went through. And so the atmospheric conditions, as well as the conditions of the ocean surface, were very conducive for the development of a very strong and major hurricane, Laura. Let's look at this sort of the longer term. I believe there's a date that's been thrown around saying that it's the most major hurricane Louisiana's seen since 1856. Well, hurricane Laura was the strongest hurricane to make landfall on Louisiana for well over 100 years. And also it ranks as the joint fifth strongest to have hit the, uh, the coast of the USA. Now, that doesn't mean it was the fifth strongest in the whole of the Atlantic and Caribbean area. There have been uh, many other hurricanes which have been stronger than that. But at the point of landfall, it was uh, one of the amongst the strongest that we've seen making landfall on the continental USA. So my final question, ex-Laura, where does it go next? 
Well, the model predictions at the moment are suggesting that the, uh, the remnant depression as it is now will merge in with another weather system which is currently crossing North America. And we do expect that to develop into what you might call a more conventional low pressure area which will track across the Atlantic. We currently think that will, the actual centre of the low will head up towards um, Iceland. So uh, that's where we might expect some, uh, some more kind of disturbed weather from the remnant of uh, Hurricane Laura. That was Julian Hemming, the Met Office Tropical Prediction Scientist. The Hadley Centre here at the Met Office is 30 years old this year. It has a dedicated team of climate scientists who produce world-class research on all aspects of climate. Professor Peter Stott is a leading scientist in the attribution of climate change here at the Met Office and a lead reporter on the United Nations IPCC reports. The work that we've done at the Hadley Centre has evolved over the last 30 years. When I joined the Hadley Centre, the work was very much about identifying exactly how climate had changed globally and why it was changing. And we've really done the definitive work in collaboration with other scientists to show that the climate is changing due to greenhouse gas emissions. The focus of our research at the moment is first to paint a more detailed regional picture of what climate change will mean here in the UK and also what it will mean in other parts of the world. And we work collaboratively with scientists from many different institutes across the world. And also it is to understand in greater detail some of the risks of climate change. And we have a world leading model now, the Earth System model, that is able to model these aspects of how carbon is cycled through the atmosphere and the ocean and what it means for the climate in the greatest detail that's ever been seen before. I joined the Met Office Hadley Centre in 1996 and only a year later I was fortunate enough with a colleague to travel to Kyoto to present the latest research from the Met Office Hadley Centre. That was in the very early days of these climate negotiations. It was a relatively small scale conference centre compared to what we have today. To have two relatively junior scientists there at a small table in the foyer to present that work, I really saw firsthand the policymakers starting to engage with that research. Now, of course, what we've had since is a series of meetings, the most significant of which to date was the agreement in Paris in 2015. And that was a major step forward. I think public perception of climate science and the issues around climate change have changed. In the early days, there was a lot of scepticism and in some quarters outright denial about what the climate science was showing. Whereas I think now there's a much wider acceptance of the reality of climate change. And that's partly due to our science, the scientific evidence being so strong. And I think it's also the fact that people are seeing with their own eyes. In terms of whether I'm optimistic or not about countering climate change, I think that really now depends on how countries around the world respond to the agreement the government's made in Paris. When you think about the potential that societies have to innovate, the potential that we have to find new ways of doing things. And if you think about electricity generation in the UK, for example, much, much more of our electricity now is being generated by renewable sources. 
So there are plenty of grounds for optimism, but I think the only note of caution that I have is that with each year that goes by and we see more extreme weather events and we see more heat waves and droughts and we see yet another year of global temperatures that are in the top five hottest on record. So I think really the clock is ticking. I think there is still a lot of hope that we can crack this issue of climate change, but the clock is ticking and it's really important now that collectively across the world, substantial action is taken to reduce the risks from climate change by reducing our emissions. Professor Peter Stott. Now here's Ada McGiven for the latest on the weather for the weekend and beyond. It's an improving picture this weekend for much of the UK as high pressure begins to build in from the west. But we haven't quite said goodbye to low pressure, which is still lingering near to eastern England. And that means in the east there'll be further showers or even longer spells of rain during Saturday. Brighter skies to the west with some sunshine, albeit with a lot of cloud, and just one or two further showers possible, particularly around coastal areas. A brisk breeze coming from the north, particularly in the east, will make it feel cool. And actually below average temperatures are expected for most of the UK during Saturday. And Saturday night, those temperatures fall even further under any clear spells. And in some shelter spots, perhaps even a touch of grass frost by the time we start Sunday. But Sunday is altogether looking more settled as that area of high pressure to the west builds across the whole of the UK. So mostly dry, still a lot of cloud cover, but where the sun comes through with lighter winds, it will feel a bit more pleasant. Monday's looking similar, a bank holiday, of course, for some parts of the UK and a mostly dry day is expected with some bright spells and temperatures continuing to be on the cool side, albeit feeling pleasant enough where we get some sunshine and light winds. And before I go, here are your weekly weather extremes from Monday the 17th of August to Sunday the 23rd of August. The highest max occurred at Heathrow in London, which peaked at 27.3 Celsius last Thursday. 6.6 Celsius was the lowest temperature recorded in Braemar Highlands during the early hours of Wednesday morning. Wellsbourne in Warwickshire saw the most rainfall in 24 hours, clocking up to 49 millimetres on Monday. And finally, the sunniest place was Waddington in Lincolnshire, with 12.8 hours of sunshine recorded on Thursday 20th of August. Thanks, Aidan. That's it for WeatherSnap. I'm Claire Nazir. Producer this week is Adrian Holloway. WeatherSnap is a podcast by the UK Met Office.